On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, Jamie West joins me as we talk about Prime Minister Trudeau's decision about Truth and Reconciliation Day to take a vacation and City Hall seeking public input, but should they have done this with other things? And James Bond even. We are all over the map today. Stick around. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. I want to introduce you to who my guest is today. Now, today is National Hair Day. So you can celebrate accordingly. And I didn't even know that when I invited this guy on, although I got to tell you him, no visuals on radio. Great for me. Not so good for this guy. One of the best hairdos in all of Hamilton media, great hair. I'll never had a bad hair day in his life. Host of the Jamie West show Saturdays, 10 to 11 on CHML. Jamie West. How are you, sir? (laughs) I'm good, Scott. I thought you were talking about Mike fortune there for a minute. I mean, no, nobody can touch that guy's hair. No, Mike, Mike wins. Mike yeah. wins, but you're, you know, you're on the podium. You, well, you may not have the gold medal, but you are going home <laughs> with some sort of silverware or hardware. Well, and this is, this is absolutely true. I, this afternoon, I went and got my hair cut for the first Ooh. time in four weeks, especially for this program. So I hope everybody appreciates my hair tonight on the show because I went and got it cut this afternoon. Uh, at, at a place I go to in Burlington, of all places, I, I travel outside of the city to, to go and get my hair because it has to be done in secret, or otherwise I'd be mobbed. You know how that goes. <laughs> when you like, you'd be like you'd be like Ringo going to the hairstylist. <laughs> when you, everybody, everybody's mobbing, trying to get a, a little clip of my hair, you know, to save in their scrapbook. So, uh, so we have to be very uh, clandestine about about getting that done, and and of course. The big problem that I have now with my hair is is that it's growing out of places that I never really wanted it to. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a lot of people listening understand, um, especially, you know, the, the guys who now look like they've got a sheaf of corn coming out of each ear. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> there is, uh, yeah, see, I don't even, re- when you say go for a haircut, I honestly don't remember the last time I went for a haircut. I, I I just use the clippers and take it down to the wood because there's not much there to begin with just to clean it up. But I, it's, it's got, Jamie, it's got to be 20 years minimum since I've been in a barbershop. Well, think of all the money that you've saved that you could, yep. that you've been able to put towards home improvements and, and vacations with the family and all of that. And by the way, I have to say this to, to you, that you are one of the few people on earth that can really rock the um the skinhead look like oh there's the, lots no there's lots there there's there lots are, that is not true uh, it's, uh, most most bald guys i know we're going to get we're now we're going to get letters and calls and stuff on this but most a lot of bald guys in fact i'm going to say most bald guys look like aliens and you don't you just you it makes you look younger somehow and 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 more and i don't know you have an, a youthful energetic sort of aura about you it works for you it doesn't for I'll, a lot of a lot of other guys look like lex luthor and that's not good i'll tell you one person and i mean he's a famous guy so he's you know he he'll be okay he's got a lot more money than me so it's no big problem he'll laugh at me if i if he ever heard this one guy that it doesn't work for he played we just watched him play the jays brett gardner the outfielder for the new york yankees is bald there's something his head is overinflated. When it gets past yeah. his forehead, it goes into a ball, and it's like, wait, that's a funny looking head. I don't know, and some hair would have helped there, but no, I, I think a lot of people can can pull off the ball look. It's, um, you know, even Sinead O'Connor did it almost quite well. So you know, once upon a time, <laughs> that is a real stretch. But okay, I'll give you that one because it's no, Friday no, night, it's, and I'm feeling charitable. 
it has sa- but you're right though it has saved an extraordinary amount of money and also saved me from having an extraordinary amount of superficial silly conversations about nothing <laughs> with a barber who is feels it's essential or somehow incumbent upon them to talk with me this is oh, this is the thing they feel like they have to and half the time you're thinking why are you asking me questions there should be a waiver or a check at the beginning <laughs> where you say talk or no talk and you can check off no talk and then no one feels awkward right. that they didn't want to participate I think I think that's an excellent idea and and I think we should work on getting that done I'm all about I'm all about reforms and I'm all about the, filling out more forms and I'm all about checking well, boxes just even even if there's a switch on your seat when you sit down, you turn it on to light up for talk or down for no talk. That that and when and I don't go off and I, I had a, a I screwed up my neck about a year ago, less than a year ago, and I had to go for a bunch of massages. That's the other place. I if I'm having a massage, which you know as I say rarely happens, I don't want to be having a conversation about stuff. Sorry, I'm not being antisocial. Yeah. It's just the point is you're supposed to not be trying to think and relax. Oh not yeah, I know what you mean. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. You can't. The pressure should not be on you, the guy getting the massage, to hold up your end of the conversation. I mean, you know, you, you do a sh- you do a talk radio show every evening. That's where you hold up your end of the deal. That's what I'll do. Time it's silence time. You know. That's what I'll do. I'll just bring in a recording of the night before show, and when they start talking, I'll hit play <laughs> and go. Just listen. Good idea. There you go. <laughs> You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. The Prime Minister decided that on the first day of truth and reconciliation that this would be a good time to go off on a vacation, which has infuriated Indigenous groups. Uh, One group, the Native Women's Association of Canada, says it shows he doesn't give an F about Indigenous rights. Others have said it's disrespectful, a slap in the face. These are words that Indigenous groups have used. Uh, Jamie West is with us. Jamie, I I don't, this is, this criticism is coming from all over. It's not a partisan thing. It's not a, uh, just conservative voters or someone. This just seems like one of the most easy mistakes not to make for Justin Trudeau. I, I just don't get how he makes this one. Yeah, you got to wonder. Um, it's uh, it's a, it's just a, a terrible mistake, and as and as you said, uh, one of the easiest ones to avoid. I, I've been scratching my head for twenty four hours trying to sort through this, um, thinking, well, you know, he ha- as the prime minister has been, you know, the most actively vocal about the need for uh, that national holiday while at the same time allowing the federal government to continue litigation against these people who have been victimized. So there's hypocrisy there that needs to be addressed right smartly. And yesterday, it, to me, would have been the perfect opportunity for him to do that. He could have come to the microphone somewhere, um, you know, uh, close to or arm in arm with our Indigenous uh, brothers and sisters and uh, laid out some of that. It would have been the perfect opportunity to do that. But instead, he he wasn't there. And, you know, I heard some people say, and this is, uh, this is being glib, you know, this was his, this was his holiday. He's the guy that declared this holiday, and he didn't show up for his own important holiday. Um, it's, it's just absolutely uh, mind boggling. And, you know, he's, at times, Trudeau is, is really flaky. 
at times he's on point and he's saying the right things at the right time, but then he tears away from that bank of goodwill by doing things like he did yesterday. And, and, it, Jamie, and that's it's not concerning. Just... It's not just that he missed the Truth and Reconciliation Day, although, again, the Indigenous groups are now, it seems, so most of them. Though. It's terrible. Yes. It, oh, no. It, look, this was a bad move to begin with. That, so ch- X, X in the box right there. That's a bad move right there. You've put a big red mark. But the second part is that his office had said he was in Ottawa in private meetings. Yeah, And he was on lying. the other side of the... So now... You're not, and I just said this on Scott Thompson's show, we were talking about it. You're not two weeks after an election where one of the issues you were running on was leadership and character. Mm-hmm. And you turn yeah. around, not two weeks later, and you or your office or both lie to the Canadian people. And I can only, Jamie, we, we look, we've had blackface. We've had allegations of groping. We've had SNC-Lavalin. We've had the Aga Khan. We've had, I just think truly that because no, he's never, really had to pay people keep electing him and he gets away with it it's like well i can do whatever i want there's no any other leader would have looked at this and says is this really a good plan but when nothing has ever been a consequence well why wouldn't he do this thing yeah i don't know you know i'm not and believe me i'm not trying to make any excuses for him he's he's the leader of the country he's the prime minister of canada um he is responsible for putting his money where his mouth is. But here's, here's what I also suspect gets, gets into this recipe. And I've seen, and I've seen it happen with, with other politicians. Um, saw it happen with, uh, with Hudak when he was trying to run for, uh, you know, the leadership of the conservatives in Ontario. I've seen it. I've seen it at all different levels of government with politicians. There's, there's, an army of handlers mm. behind these people. There's there's communications quote professionals. There's um, political uh, manipulators, et cetera, et cetera, who are, who all have their hand in everything all the time. And if you are not willing to shut them up and put out a straight arm and say, yeah, thanks very much for all of that, and allow a common sense to uh, to dictate. Uh, what you're going to do and what you're going to say and how you're going to be perceived, then we got a big problem. And I would argue that we do have a big problem. We have a huge problem um, in Canada with a vacuum of leadership across the board. It's it isn't just as you said at the beginning. It's not a, a, you know a, a partisan thing. This is we're seeing politicians of every stripe in every jurisdiction make bumbling errors like this that can easily be avoided by the uh, employment of common sense. It okay, just... and so you talked about his handlers and his advisors and his people. Yeah. What this suggests to me then is that the people that he's got with him are all yes men or yes women, because if they weren't, somebody would have said, Mr. Prime Minister, this is a boneheaded decision. Go on vacation tomorrow, or they're just and then no one's got a problem. Or they're just not intelligent. Or they're just not intelligent. Okay. They're not life experienced. And here's the argument I'm going to make. And this is going to make me sound like the old get off my lawn hmm. fart guy. Okay, but I don't care. Because actually, I'm starting to look like that guy. But <laughs> Not after your haircut. <laughs> so I kind of fit the bill. I'm getting cranky in my old age. But here's the thing. You know where I'm going. I'm going to be a little ageist with this. There's a lot of younger people who are taking up those chairs and those roles. And um, you would think with the, uh, 
epidemic of wokeness that's out there that that wouldn't be an issue. But you've got young people who really who are in those positions who don't have much life experience and don't have much street in the way of street smarts. And um, they're, they're there going by manuals, public relations manuals, communications manuals. And um, they're not using in, their common sense and their street smarts because they don't have it. They don't have intelli- Intelligence and wisdom are often two different things. You can That's, be brilliant well and said. not know how to apply it in a way that is appropriate for the situation or the circumstance. And that doesn't mean they're dumb. But you're right. I mean, look, I, I, I've just been watching an episode or two. This new show about the Maple Leafs is just out on Amazon Prime, the behind-the-scenes thing. They've been plugging it for ages. And you look, the Leafs have a very young coach, and they have a very young general manager. But those people have older people who have been around hockey a long time around them advising yeah. them. You don't just have people who are running by the manual, as you say. And they can, they can choose to ignore the advice. They can choose to, but at least they've got someone whispering in there. It, it would appear, it would appear, and I don't know, maybe Trudeau is just deciding that he's going to do it, but it would appear there's no one there strong enough to tell him, wait a second, bad idea. This is a really bad, and, and as you said, an unforced error that now just, you know, you, I, I love what you said. we got to run here. I love what you said about the the missing leadership. We just, as I said, we just came through an election where leadership was one of the issues and this happens. And and anyone who thinks, if there's people listening, and I'm sure there are who say, you're just beating up on Trudeau because he's a liberal. Could you imagine what would have happened if this had been Stephen Harper and he had called this holiday no, and he no. missed it and did this? No, absolutely. And I've been, and I've been one and of the justifiably loudest, so. I've been one of the loudest people supporting Trudeau all through the pandemic I've gone toe to toe with you on this show about him, and 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 I'm and I've always said I'm an issues to issues kind of guy, and this is this is clearly a situation where the prime minister has really screwed up, and actually I believe owes the nation an apology. Yes, for the yes. way he he owes the nation a formal apology for the way he handled this thing. Will it and come? It should have been you out. Think, you think we're going to hear it? You think we're no. going to hear it? I think if 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 we do It'll get come anything. Later. It'll, if it comes and if at we all, do, it'll come later. under pressure. Yeah, and if and if we do, what we'll hear is this is a learning moment for all of yeah. us that yeah, we can yeah. all do better. And it's like, no, you yeah. flew to Tofino, you hid from, you told the wrong story, you your office lied. Don't make me have to have a learning moment. When 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 the allegations well, of the groping well, happened, it was this is a learning moment for everyone. No, I've not groped well, someone. You've not groped. So this is not. This is I your know, mistake. Scott, oh, I know we got to. I know we got to run, but you're you're right yes. on the money. There is, as much as there's a, a, a vacuum of leadership, there's a vacuum of people willing to take personal responsibility and, and be accountable for their decisions and their behavior. Thank and you I'll very much. I 100%. That's, that's abs- we should put that onto a bronze plaque and put it in every politician's office. Honestly, we really should. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Jamie, I'm sure everyone has heard this now that uh, a number of months ago, city council was debating or deliberating what to do about urban sprawl and whether to expand the urban boundary. And they said, Hey, let's put out a survey that people can respond to and we'll get a sense. And so they did. And various groups that were opposed to it organized and that's their entirely their right. And what the city got as a result was 90% of the results they got back said, we are opposed to urban sprawl. And a number of councillors have now said, look, we can't ignore the will of the people. 
when it's this overwhelming. And, and that's skewed. okay by me. That's okay by me. Skewed or not, that's okay. My question though is, should we be doing this now with a lot of things? Where was this same? We were told when LRT was an issue that a referendum was not an, affor- an appropriate method to try and determine the will of the people. And so should this now be the new norm that when there are big issues that council is torn on, they should go to the people and it comes back and what the will of the people says goes? Well, in principle, it, it seems like a good idea. But, you know, the devil, as they say, is always in the details. Yes. And, and when you get down to um, the practical reality of sample sizes, how many, how many went out, who received them, uh, where is special interest that you've pointed to in, in the whole thing? I mean, because they're, they're motivated and they're mobilized to get their surveys filled out and sent back. Whereas, you know, the average Hamilton taxpayer will usually will throw something like that in their junk mail bin um, because they just, they don't want to look at it. Or I don't know if they do these things by phone or how they do them. No, it was, it was, so it was, it was a ballot that was sent by regular mail and email uh, right. um, 18,387, 18, uh, were returned 16,636, 90.4% opposed the boundary expansion. Now you are, I don't know. It's, it's a good question. I'm looking here quickly because that was 18,000 returned. I'm not sure how many, how many went out. Oh, two, sorry. 215,800 went to homes. Well, that's not a bad, that's not a bad sample size. I mean, that's larger than you know, most pollsters, uh, you know, uh, sample in terms of like, I'm just thinking of pre-election here, but mm. that's a large, but if, but if the city, if the city now looks at this and, and look, if, if counselors now look at this and say, we can't ignore 90%, no matter how it has come in or who was organizing or whatever else. Uh, I think if people saw that this was going to be the way things are done now, I think an awful lot more people would have responded to this thing. Yeah, I, I don't don't disagree with you. And, and if there's you know over two hundred thousand surveys go out and sixteen or eighteen thousand come back, that's that's not good. That's not a that's not a definitive um, show of hands when when you've got now you've got to go back into the sixteen or eighteen thousand and you have to figure out how many of them are tied uh, to special interest groups. And then you have to. That, then they 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 become a little, in my view, they become a little more uh, a little less credible. Because um, you know, organized groups, the the squeaky wheels get the grease, and I don't think it's I don't think that that is representative of where most people's heads are at, at all. Um, I, Maybe. I, I Maybe. I personally believe that we don't where we're positioned geographically um, around the lake and where it's all heading, we're going to have to face facts. Like we are going to need more land to do more things. Well, and that's, and that's a discussion we'll have another day. Cause I don't want to get into right. the debate about whether the land, whether we agree or disagree. It's the, uh, it's the concept because again, for right. years, for years, there were people, calling for a referendum on LRT and council mm-hmm. was 
adamant that this was not the way we wanted to do things. And a referendum was not the way because of, I think, in a lot of ways, because of this very thing. We don't want, we want to get a real representation, not activist And yet here groups. they're doing it. And yet here they're doing it. And here they're doing it. it. So but which is the right way? But isn't <laughs> the, the, the right way, um, I think, is to not do, uh, not do the survey, not do the referendum. The right way is to let is to put the pressure on those elected leaders that we put into those positions to represent our views on a ward by ward basis. That's what they're there to do. So, and I agree, I agree with that. But I also say that any politician, any councillor, I think any councillor who, when this discussion comes up, and I believe it's October twenty fifth, there's a special meeting on this. Any councillor who re- references this survey in that the next time there's an issue that people might want a referendum on will have precluded themselves from saying, I don't want a referendum because I think you're opening up a a box here to, to a precedent to say next time there's a really controversial issue. We got to go back to the people. That's what, that's what we're saying. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't agree with that. I, I agree. I, I believe that we have a system of elected officials that we put in place to govern and our voices are heard once at, when we elect them and our voices can be heard uh, again through direct communication with our elected officials offices or if we want to picket their offices we can do that too there's all kinds of other ways i i think that i think that other things a colossal waste of time uh, money no doubt and um, it doesn't get you a true sense of, of where uh, people are at. Now, now that, le- that takes me again into another one hour discussion about how disengaged we are when it comes to electing uh, sure. civic officials. You know, it's the lowest ver- vo- voter turnout out of all three levels of government. And yet they have the, they have the, the most effect on our daily lives. The, the Absolutely. Uh, elected officials do not the provincial, not the federal. They do. And yet we don't show up. To, to vote in those elections. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a really good question you've asked. And but I'm I would be vehemently opposed to setting that as a precedent and going forward on every controversial issue. Let's let's have a reference. Tell me this, Jamie. Tell me this. If we had done this, where we had sent out a ballot or a questionnaire to the people, to citizens, for LRT. And for the stadium, which I think are the last two, Helps you know, hugely controversial things. What's the likelihood we are either building an LRT or presumably building one, or that the stadium is where it is? Yeah, uh, yeah. I would say probably Zip. very little. Zip. Yeah, and and LRT. It just every, I, I always take an opportunity when 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 I'm a guest on your show and the word LRT comes up, I always take the opportunity to say what a what a terrible terrible thing that is. What a dumb decision it is. It's the least needed thing in our city, and it's one guy trying to create some kind of a false legacy for himself, and it's it's just a joke. It's gonna and, it's gonna be awful. And again, I don't want to keep cutting you off on these. That's I mean, we're, we don't okay. want to get too far down the path it's of okay. is it a good idea? The idea job. is no, no. But the I think you know the the opposition to the urban boundary expansion. I think any kind of poll that you send out like this 
you said it, the squeaky wheel, those opposed are the ones who are most angry and are therefore the most motivated to send in a response. So even if, even if the LRT was favored by more than more people in this city, I think the anti-LRT referendum probably would have won. And I think even if more than 50% like the idea of the stadium and theoretically saving the Ticats, the anti-stadium would have won because those are the people who get involved in these things. So, you know, we may not have either of those two things. So I like, as I, as you say, it, it this is a, this is an interesting position council finds itself in. Cause if they point too hard to this, I think they create a precedent that says next time we got to do this again and follow the will of the people. And we have, you're not in a, a referendum. I don't even think it's legal um, but, under certain circumstances, but this becomes that. But they won't even remember that they did this. And they, they know that people's memories are short. They won't remember. And the constituents, the taxpayers in our city won't remember. And, and you know, somebody like you or me doing a talk show will, will potentially remind them of that. But by then they won't care anyway. So that's yeah. true. No, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's going to be an interesting one to see where they go on this one, because I know it's going to get raised and I would love to see what will happen the next time. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. I read a very fascinating story about a some polls that have been done, and this is not new. I don't think this is um, this is just the latest incarnation of this. But poll after poll after poll no, poll now is showing that workers today, and I think COVID may play into this are saying what they really want is the ability to work when they want and where they want. They want the flexibility not to be in an office from nine to five. And I got thinking, is this a huge step forward that's making everything better and making people's lives better? Or is this a spinoff of people being told always that you can do whatever you want and you're special and you don't have to follow rules necessarily. And you're, you know, you're what the world revolves around. And so if you want to work from home at whatever time, that's up to you. Your work should not have the right to tell you to come into an office and work from nine to five. Is this a good thing or is this a, a concerning thing? I don't think it's the latter example that you gave. I think that, I think it's truly more of a reflection of where we're at in the modern world we got to put fully to the test um uh through something that we couldn't have predicted well i guess we could predict it would happen but we didn't know what was going to happen we got to put to to the test the technology that it that it takes even though i think everybody sort of knew that uh, it, it was there and it was possible to have that flexibility and that and that remote uh, location type work but without the pandemic we really wouldn't have put it to the test and it's been put to the test so it's been a I think it's been a game changer and I think that um, for those people that believe that they can work better in a in a situation like that I think that it should be tried because uh, you know, we're, we are kind of moving in that direction anyway. Um, there are those that, you know, would say, I know I like the social environment of the office. I like going in and I like getting out of my house and away from my family. Um, 
you know, my house is too busy. It's too noisy. It's too this. It's too that. Um, so I like the social environment. I think that I think that there has to be an acknowledgement that that's real and okay. I don't think it's uh, an excuse for for the uh, privileged, um, you know, non comfortable with uncomfortableness crowd to somehow manipulate. I would say this that you have to have results. So if the results that are being turned in um, justify the choice, let's say, to work that flexible two days at home, three days in the office or vice versa, then fine. Why, why shouldn't we em- embrace it? I don't, I don't think this... That's, Jamie, that's a really interesting thought, though, because don't forget what the, what the biggest word in the world, one of the biggest words in the world is right now. And it's not a bad word, but it's equity. And I wonder if you were a boss and you said, yeah, we're, you can, we'll be flexible. You can work from home and work whatever hours provided you produce. If you operate now, I, look, I'm a big believer in treating individuals as individuals instead of a collective that all gets treated the same. Mm-hmm. But if you're a boss who said, Jamie, you're doing a great job. I don't care when and where you work. Keep up whatever you're doing. You can work from your bathroom naked if you want all day long. I don't care. Just keep doing it. Bob, you're not pulling your weight. You got to be in the office at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. I wonder how that plays. Yeah, and I would say I, I don't care. I think that that's exactly what has to happen in, in a theoretical uh, discussion like we're having. Because, you know, one person isn't necessarily the same as the next. One person's work habits aren't necessarily the same as the other guys. One person's personality quirks aren't, aren't the same. So people do, do need to be treated as individuals under a regime like that. And and if you are, you know, if you're Bob, the guy that the boss feels he's got to supervise more closely or um, keep on a shorter leash, so to speak, then, um, you know, then if Bob uh, is incentivized by the idea of two, three days at home working, then he's got to earn that. And and once he's once he's able to earn that, then I suppose he can do that. But there are there's a lot of people and it's been proven through this pandemic that can get the job done from a remote location. Agreed. You know, an awful Agreed. lot of them. And We've and I love doing it in radio too. None of us have been in studios. I'm We've doing it right now. Home. Yeah, I'm doing it right now. And and, and I love your word though, Jamie. I love the word you use. I mean, you, you've been on you've been on on fire today because you've been hitting all the right words. Uh, oh you had a goodness. plaque that we're going to put in politicians' offices, and now you got the word of the day. <laughs> Earn. Earn. I, 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 to, to me, if you, I don't think that this is something, and businesses will do it because they want to lure talent, but I don't think this is something that workers should be expecting that they get on day one when they show up. I think these kind of things, if you're a boss, it's reasonable to expect that you earn that opportunity to do that kind of thing. I agree. But, but unfortunately, <laughs> here's different the other, now, of course, different now because of COVID. Here's the unfortunate part about that. We're, you know, we're starting to see the tail wagging the dog way, way, way too much. Um, meaning? What that well, mean? meaning, meaning that there are, there's a generation or two of, of people in the workforce who were raised with the notion that they should be the ones that are empowered to 
make all the decisions and that they shouldn't be made to feel uncomfortable in any way. That's what, that was where I started. Yeah, that's I where I started. That was the question where we started. Yes. And so what do you do with, with people who have been taught or been led to believe that it should be all about you? You tune them up by not, by, by not, if they're going, if that's going to be their attitude, then they don't get the gig or, um, you know, or if they start the gig and, and start into that, they, they get fired or let go. It's it, like, it's, we can't allow this to, to go on you know, we have, we have failed a generation or two. I'll, I'll say to them, young people, cause everybody's a young person next to me, but mm. we have failed them because we have not taught them how to be self-sufficient. We have not taught them how to fail and recover. We have not taught them that uh, change is a constant in life. We've not taught them that competition is a con- constant in life. And we've not taught them that being uncomfortable is a uh, something that you experience in life and you overcome. They, they've been led to believe that life is just a step, is one straight line on a steady incline upward. And it's not. That is, uh, let's leave it there because that's brilliant about the uncomfortable. Jamie West, just... Nailing it today with his new haircut, allowing his brain to breathe even more and the oxygen to get in there. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We bring Jamie West back in. Jamie is the host of the Jamie West Show Saturdays from 10 to 11. So tomorrow morning from 10 to 11 here on 900 CHML. You do not, when we're done tonight, you don't need to turn your radio off. Just let it play right through and Jamie will join you at 10 tomorrow morning. Thanks for sticking around, my friend. I'll stay up. You're welcome. I'll stay up all night and uh, prep for tomorrow's show. I'm sure we'll have uh, lots of people uh, calling in and screaming and yelling about the prime minister like we did at the beginning of the program. But uh, what, you know, I I really don't know what we're going to talk about tomorrow. Um, I like to wait till the very last minute to see what's going on in the world because news, as you know, uh, changes very quickly. And so uh, I play it pretty close to the wire and you know, kind of, it's, it's only an hour. So I like to throw uh, things open to the people that are listening and give them a chance to kind of go at it on things that they've heard on your show, on the other talk shows on CHML stuff they've heard and read in other places. Um, and it's a lot of fun. So hopefully uh, people will join us tomorrow morning at 10. You know what else changes by the hour? It seems popular culture. And I'll tell you why I'm asking you to mention popular culture, because Daniel Craig is doing the rounds these days because the, his last movie as James Bond is, it's either out or it's coming out. I'm not sure, but it's, it's, we're about to see it. Those who want to go see it. And I'm that one has, of, of course, well, yeah, well, who, I mean, I love James Bond movies too, even though the more recent ones, I often have to watch two or three times to figure out what the heck is going on. I know they're shooting people <laughs> and he lives, but, um, <laughs> but this always, whatever, you know, when Sean Connery left and then it was Roger Moore, when Roger Moore left, it was Timothy Dalton, although there was, uh, what's his name in there for the single one? Um, Pierce Brosnan. Well, Pierce Brosnan, but there was, what was the guy's name who did the one? Oh, um, yeah. I'll Lazenby? think of that in a second. Lazenby? George Lazenby. George Lazenby. There you go. There you go. Um, but every time James Bond, one of the James Bonds decides he's done, there's a huge discussion about who should replace that person to be the new James Bond. Well, now, you know, popular culture, social mores, everything is changing. And there have been lists that have been coming out about who should replace James Bond, who should replace Daniel Craig as James Bond. And the popular view in some corners 
is that it should be Idris Elba or some other African-American that James Bond should be a black man now because times are changing. And I have absolutely no doubt that Idris Elba could do an amazing job. He's an amazing actor. Everything he's been in has been amazing. Same with many of the other actors that are being thrown out. Their names are being thrown out. But when you have a character who is as ingrained into the cultural psyche as Bond is, and a character that is based on a work of literature, or, I mean, we don't want to give too much, but I mean, it was a book. It's based on a book. Fleming's book, book, yeah. Yeah, they're based on books. It's not just written for the screen. Should you be changing it up or should this, you know, should Bond be a white guy because that's how he's written? Or would it be totally fine to say, no, it can be whatever. Some are saying it should be a woman. Fleming Fleming should have made made, uh, Bond uh, a a black uh, guy because he wrote the stuff in Jamaica. That's where he, he did. That's where he, he did. That's where he wrote this stuff. So you know, you would have maybe thought he would have been inspired. But we know the we know the times weren't like that. And and who knows what was going through Ian Fleming's head anyway? I mean, and it's okay that he, you know, that maybe he envisioned Bond as a white guy. There's nothing wrong with that. He didn't just envision. He wrote that he was a white guy. He wrote okay. it in and, one in his second book. He says say he's white. There's no, there's nothing wrong with that. And and I'm going to say this. There's nothing wrong with the idea uh, of James Bond in the next incarnation being black or Indian. You know what? Line them up. Let's see who can, who can play the part. And you know, it's okay. If it's a white, black Indian, I don't care. Hispanic, whatever. I don't care. Just, Just these are, these are actors line them up. But I think you're, I think you're suggesting, I don't want to get this wrong. That, you know, that we don't need to go far off of what Ian Fleming um, scripted in his book simply for the sake of, uh, you know, our concerns, you know, legitimate concerns about racial inequality and wokeness. Am I reading the room right? Yeah. And and look, again, I, I think, you know, Idris Elba, I would watch anything that that guy's in. I mean, he's I don't an amazing. Know he is, this guy. I don't even know who he is. I, that's he, terrible. I know. Um, if you want to, if you want to see, uh, he's been in a lot of stuff. One thing that he's been in that many people have probably have seen. You ever watch on YouTube? You ever watch that that uh, thing called uh, Hot Ones, where the people have an interview while they're eating crazy hot wings? <laughs> he was on there. <laughs> no, it's a great but... little. It's a great little show. Idris Elba was I, one of the I'm best ever interviews because his reaction <laughs> when the wings finally hit him was just brilliant. Anyway, okay. he's, Idris right. Elba's been in. All kinds. I've probably of... seen him in all kinds of things. I just don't know his name. Like a lot of actors, I don't know their names. Even though I, if you showed me their face, I'd say, "Oh yeah, that guy or that one." For yeah. sure, for you sure. Know. He was in in Luther. He was in The Wire. Um, okay. All kinds of things. Good all actor. kinds of things. And he's a he's a very handsome, distinguished guy who's in his early fifties. Like he could. There's Probably nothing about him know. that couldn't do the job. Yeah, the question well. just is: Are there certain characters? that are written, that are in pop culture, that you shouldn't tinker with? Or is anything fair game now? Is it fine to say, it doesn't matter that James Bond was written as white, why can't he be black? What would be the problem with that? Or any other char- fictional character that we would talk about? Nah, I don't think I don't think uh, the color of their skin matters. I don't, I just don't. And I'm not saying that be- because... I'm, I'm trying to be politically correct. I honestly don't think that it matters. I think what matters is what 
um, how the actor portrays the character and what comes out of that. And, and in fact, I would even go as far as to say uh, that the, the Idris Elba, who you just mentioned, um, if he would, if he was potentially theoretically a contender for that that role, then let's see what he can do. Maybe he'll be the best Bond yet. Who knows? He could. He could. What about the idea that is also being thrown out? And one of the names that has been mentioned here is, now I don't know her work as well, I don't think, uh, Lashana Lynch. What about the idea of a female James Bond? Does that take it then too far away from what what the story is about? Yes, it does. It does. The the color thing is not an issue. The the sex of the character is definitely an issue. Why? Because it was, it was established as a male character. That's why. But who cares? That's a different, that's a different thing to me in my mind. It's different. It's I think there's going to be a huge push on, uh, for somebody who looks different than James Bond has before to play the role. I mean, other names that have been thrown out there that you may be familiar with. There's a bunch of, white actors, but also a uh, Dev Patel, um, yep, who is a great. British, British he's Indian actor. Uh, he was in yesterday. He played yep. the, uh, the lead in that and a bunch. In and, the, and was he not Luminaries. in, um, yeah. yeah. And was he not in the, uh, the one about the, um, who wants to be a millionaire, uh, um, slumdog millionaire, slumdog millionaire. Was he not in that? I think, um, I, I'm not sure. Okay. Anyway, uh, well, let's call I mean, it Jane Bond then instead of James, it'll be Jane Bond, you know? Well, that, if it was, that's a bridge too far for me in terms of the character. That's all. I, I you know, you want to create a, I'm sorry, I'm, gonna, I'm interrupting you here, but you want to create a, you want to, you want, I mean, there's no shortage of, of strong feminine hero, heroes or heroines, if they still call them that, out there uh, in, on the big screen. But if you want to create a new uh, spy series uh, and call it Jane Bond, go ahead. I'll go and watch it. You know, well, you, yeah, you, I mean, look, uh, some people are saying right now, and I know this, some people are saying, guys, this is a fictional story. It's not even real. Who cares? Uh, And to some degree, I would agree with that, I think. But, but I also wonder about the idea again, that are some roles so ingrained as a certain, uh, you know, if it was to go the other way. For example, now, you know, some people will think I've lost my mind here, and that's probably true, but if no, if you if someone was to argue that Black Panther could be a white guy, I would say no. No. no that's you you can't have that character not or if, you know, um any other fictional Tom Robinson from To Kill a Mockingbird um mm-hmm. has to be a black man for that story to work. You can't not have it with him right, being an African American. Because as you're pointing out, that's a fact situation. The story is the story, and that it revolves around that. Right. That's the what the that's what the person who wrote the story wrote. So, you know, if you're going to go off of that, now it's not to kill a mockingbird. It's a different story. It's an interesting discussion. I, I don't. Um, I, I I will I will bet money that it will be um, that we will see diversity with James Bond, and then we'll see if. If That's it, okay with if me. People, if well, we'll see if the if the moviegoers think that it works or doesn't work. Because ultimately, that's you know the people have the ultimate vote in this one with their money, whether they go to the movie or not. <laughs> Again, I think that some of them, some of the people that are listed, Dev Patel, he's ama- like when I've ever I've seen him, he's an amazing actor. I, I would have no problem with him doing this. I just don't know if you've got such an image of Bond in your head that you can. 
I'll tell you something else I believe. I'll tell you something else I believe. I, 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 I also believe that there, there are probably a, a lot of black uh, people, male, female, or brown people, male, female, uh, who would be listening to this laughing their rear ends off at how, um, at how uh, this discussion would, would be taking place. I, I do. I, they would be laughing that the discussion's even, even happening. Um, they, I don't think, I don't think some of them worry about, you know, the political correctness of the color of the skin of a James Bond as much as white people do. That's probably true. That's probably true. But as I say, it, this has Not been. How many people say that though? Uh, go on Twitter. Go elsewhere on social media, and the discussions, the number of people debating this issue uh clearly yeah clearly it is it is a hot button issue and and we will see we'll see now we only have a couple minutes left but let's go from fiction to non-fiction for a second and and this is not a story that i have paid honestly any attention to to the point where i'm probably going to mispronounce the names but can you explain to me there's a story going on right now a real story it's a true crime story in the states with gabby petito and brian laundry laundry again yeah Okay, sorry if I can't if I didn't pronounce the names right. I've not watched any of this, but every time I turn on the TV or go online, it is huge. Why are we so fascinated by true crime stories out of the states? Because I don't think it's just Americans who are caught oh, I don't up even in this think, right now. I don't even think it's I don't even think it's just that the reason that we're fascinated by it. I'll, I'll tell you why it gets so much play in my view, and it, it's tied to the last discussion we had. It this is a this is a, a an early twenty something, uh, good looking white girl, uh, and they're not. And and, and, the, and the narrative out there is that th- those types of things aren't supposed to happen to um, good looking white girls in their early twenties. So, you know, there's a there's a, there's an increased fascination that that in my view runs along. Um, prejudicial lines of the way we're interested in things. Uh, I, I believe that I don't believe that it would be getting nearly that, that kind of play if her, if her skin was a different color or if she was from a different background or if she wasn't, you know, plastering stuff all over social media and stuff. I, I, I'm being straight up when I say that it's, it's, and I feel sick to my stomach that that, that young girl has lost her life. Um, it's a terrible, terrible story, and I have followed it a bit um, more for trying to figure out what, where the guy's hiding and why he's hiding. And, you know, we have our suspicions as to why he's hiding or has he offed himself somewhere? Are they going to find him, what the deal is? But I, I believe that the, the amount of coverage and the amount of attention plays to her age and her looks. And I, that's what I think. I'm just and being you, straight. You may be, you know, and you know what? I, I'm not going to argue with you. You may be absolutely bang on on that one. And, and, you know, I, having not really watched or followed this, but just seen the overwhelming volume that uh, I really can't speak too much or too intelligently to this one, but you may be bang on. And as I'm thinking about it, um, is that the, I'm trying to think back now to other ones that we've followed in recent years. Is that the pattern? Kind of is, isn't it? Yeah, and again, without any uh, you know scientific data in front of me, uh, that's that's the sense uh, that that I get f- 
from it. If this was, uh, I, I do believe this. If this was a young black couple, um, with a similar type of, you know, uh, travel story, maybe even the social media stuff, it, it, I think everybody would have gone away from it hmm. by now. I think that's a, I think that's a cold, hard truth. Um, I really do. Um, and I is that I, then, I wish I didn't. I wish I didn't feel that way. I wish it wasn't like that. Okay, so does that then fall on? And again, we only have a minute, which is not nearly enough time to dust to okay. dive into something like this. Is that then on the media people covering this, or is that on the public? Because the media people aren't continuing with this unless ratings back up that there is fascination with one hundred percent. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the, if it bleeds, it leads. Is still alive and well in uh, traditional media. There's no doubt about it. You know, traditional media companies are there to sell, sell soap. They're there to get ratings. That's why they're there. Um, it's not to say that there isn't good journalism out there. I'm not suggesting that. There, there is good journalism. It's getting harder and harder to find. I've said that on my own show. Uh, but, it's still, but it's still there. Yes, I think it is driven by the media. But I think the more powerful thing, quite frankly, is social media. I think it's eclipsed the power of traditional media and it's a bit dangerous too um, in these situations. It, it, it tends to, it tends to get people foaming at the mouth and uh, gets people, you know, going with their conspiracy theories and, you know, everybody's playing amateur detective and everybody's all jacked up and, you know, and I don't know, I'm not sure that that's a good thing. Um, but then Can on the imagine? other hand, <laughs> Sorry, no, on the no, other okay. hand, we, we keep uncovering corruption and incompetence in law enforcement and investigations as well. So I don't know where we start and end with this. Could you imagine what Twitter would have been like and Instagram would have been like if it had really existed during the O.J. Simpson time? Oh. I mean, I, oh. it, it's, it almost makes your head hurt to imagine what that would have been like. Off. It does, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Jamie West, uh, once again, don't turn the ra- don't turn the radio off after we're done today. Just let it roll right through because tomorrow morning at <laughs> 10 a.m. he will be on talking about who knows what. He will decide at 9:59 what his topic of the day is to start with, <laughs> or something around there, and it'll be you awesome. You got it. You got it. Jamie, always appreciate, it. and the hairdo looks fantastic. The haircut looks amazing. Thanks. It held for the whole. It held for the whole 90 minutes. I'm I'm delighted. <laughs> it, Thank it you. Held. I I can't imagine what it looks like if you had to pray that your hairdo was going to hold, and how much spray was in there. It's, I got the Mar. I got the Marge Simpson this time. It was very high. <laughs> there you go. My final net is holding. It's all good. Jamie West, thanks for this. Okay, Scott. Take care. Bye bye. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.